0: All right. Hi, everybody. It's our CFB Talk 157. It is Tuesday night. It is 10 p.m. This is when we like to talk to you and hear what's on your mind in this wonderful college football realm. It's been seven days since the last call in show, and a few things have happened. Um, we've had a few guests, we had Phil Steele. And we had Stuart Mandel yesterday. Both of those are still recorded, and you can listen to those whenever you get a chance. But this is when we get a chance to chat. And obviously, a lot has gone on. So if there's something you'd like to talk about, by all means, hit request, and we'll get you up here, and we'll talk about that. I'm going to be joined by one of the folks here at our CFP, Andrew Sagona. I'm going to go ahead and let him up. Beyond just the conference shifts, the big theme is what's going to happen to, I guess, the uh, continuing adventures of the Pac-4 and friends, um, if there are friends for the Pac-4. But we're still heading into the regular season as well, and all of these teams are still in their original conferences, so we get one more last hurrah when this season begins in a few weeks, and uh, a a little more than a few weeks, but it's exciting to think that we've got college football around the corner. Hey, Andrew, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well, sir. How are you? Good.
0: Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention before I forgot. I'm sorry. Just wanted to get this one out of the way just before we get into any real deep. I just we have one of Richard belated happy birthday to Lee Corso. He turned 88 yesterday, so I hope we get to have him. I mean, they've confirmed he's coming back to the show, so that's good. We'll see him in Charlotte in a few weeks, but um, a little more than a few weeks. Keep saying a few weeks. Keep wanting to jump the gun on that. You know, I see we have someone who wants to come up and join us. Let's see here. Gonna let you up, John, in one second. Gonna add you as a speaker. So again, if you want to join the conversation, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You just have to hit request from the Twitter app. Hey, John, what's going on? How are you? Hey, man, how you doing tonight?
2: Great. Well, first of all, congrats on uh, 150. I know I didn't get to say it, uh, you know, two two times ago because you, uh, you guys have been uh, having uh, people speak, uh, cool visitors and stuff coming by. But congrats on 150.
0: Yeah, thanks. It was really kind of funky too because we didn't realize. It was just weird timing. It actually was both Phil Steele was the 50th show and the 150th show. And we didn't plan that. It just kind of ended up that way. So, you know, well, the neat things that happen when you plan these things. But, yeah, so what's on your mind, though? What's
2: There's a lot of things going on. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oof. Yeah, you're not kidding. I know we've talked about many a times early, you know, during the year about Conference realignment and, you know, the what-ifs of what could happen. And uh, pretty much all the what-ifs <laughs> almost happened. Um, and you know it's just gone completely crazy, and I know one thing. I think no one's really talked about it. I'm not sure, even with the remote possibility of of this occurring. But of course, you know, with teams moving to different conferences and certain you know lo- uh, you know group of five or even you know now even a power five conference being low on members, I'm kind of curious what the possibility of F- FCS FCS teams being caught up into the fold. I mean, we saw Jacksonville State and uh, Kennesaw State coming next year as well, and Sam Houston State. I'm just curious on what you think of, you know, the possibility of of uh, a uh, FCS team moving up and possibly what team it could be or which teams. You know, that's a
0: great question. And I think FCS, I know programs as a whole and their fans have been kind of relieved that they've stayed out of what just happened in the last week. Because, again, we, we don't need to restate how chaotic it's been. But as far as FCS programs, you're absolutely right. You know, we've got Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State are going to be in Conference USA Starting this season. And then next season, Kennesaw State starts in Conference USA as well. In fact, they just announced their first game as an FBS program is going to be at UTSA um, to open, I think it's August 31st of next year in the Dome. But I think if any, FCS is going to be kind of last in line in all of this. I'm not saying that they're not going to move, there's not going to be a possibility that someone gets grabbed, but I think we're going to have to first see what happens to the, the Pac Four. What what ends up, I mean, because there's so many scenarios out there, and we could review them later on as we get into this, but, I mean, th- there's all kinds of rumors of, like, is it going to end up with a merger with what's with the Mountain West, or is it going to be the Mountain West breaking up and some of them joining the pack, uh, you know, rebuilding the pack four and the continuing adventures of the pack, or however you want to call it? Um, or are they, some of them going to move to the ACC? I mean, SMU suddenly came up as being a possibility for moving to the ACC. Um, that's come up in some... You know, credible. You know, reporting people who don't necessarily report wild rumors have been been mentioning that one today. So, I think we're going to have to first see how much more the FBS programs that are already on the FBS level settle, and then I think, especially if, for example, we see one of the G five start to get heavily poached, I think that program that probably that conference will maybe start looking to see. Who's nearby? Because again, you don't want to. It's not the same ball game, money wise, for an FCS program to jump up to FBS. It's not like you're going to have someone willing to do a, a. I mean, other than the exception, which is the Pioneer Football League, which is it's really, really unique exception there because they're non-scholarship football but scholarship all other sports. You know, out setting them aside in the FCS, it's not going to be realistic for one of them to just join a conference that's across the country. So. Let's say, and again, this is totally hypothetical. I don't have any insight on whether this is actually going to happen, but let's say the the Mountain West gets partially poached to join what's left of the Pac-12 you know, and kind of rebuild itself. Then the Mountain West would be in an interesting position. How would it consider building up its membership again? Do you start looking at the big sky because it's right there? You've got some programs that could probably move up if they really wanted to. Although I wouldn't, I don't know how much, you know, the Montana schools have always been up for North Dakota state's always out there in the, uh, the Missouri Valley uh, football conference. You've got programs out there that could theoretically, and, but to be fair, I mean, we had the AD uh, Matt Larson join us for a last, actually last summer for a, a Twitter space. And they're, they were very happy being what they are at the FCS level. but there's certainly programs that would like that opportunity. But I think, Before we know which ones they are, we'll have to see how what settles at this point. Because Conference USA, that's what they did. They poached people that were well. Pardon me, didn't poach, but they elevated programs. They were willing to accept programs that were in the kind of their general footprint. Jacksonville State's mostly close to some of their programs. So is Sam Houston State. I remember last year when we were talking about what would be an interesting possibility was a program in the FCS level that. Famous – well, actually, it's funny. They did it under the radar. For one year, Florida A&M, the uh, HBCU in Tallahassee, moved up to FBS and flopped so badly because they didn't plan it well. This is in like 2005. I keep forgetting. It's like 04, 05, and they went right back down, and a lot of people didn't even notice they were an FBS program for that one season. So, I I mean, we thought, well, they're in the footprint of Conference USA, so if they decided to jump up again, I mean, hell, they're right there and. They've got a good coach right now. they've got a decent enough program. Um, but I think that, that was kind of a long-winded answer to where I think we'd end up with another FCS program moving up or not. You know, a- Andrew, I know you wanted to jump in on this, and then I promise we'll get to you, Hussein.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that I mean, I, I mean, I'm just kind of jumping off of what you're saying. Um, I think certain schools you mentioned big Sky. NDSU, SDSU, uh, all indications are they're fine where they are, especially North Dakota State. Uh, They're winning championships every year, every other year. Um, I don't see an indication that they're going to want to move uh, to the FBS level. Uh, I think the only conference I could see really getting poached Uh, Sunbelt is sturdy. Yeah,
0: they're very sturdy. No
1: one's going to try. They're very sturdy. No one's going to try poaching them. Or if they try, no one's going to want to move. I'd say the most stable conference is MAC, which is crazy. That is a a bastion of stability in a crazy, unstable conference realignment world. Um, I mean, AAC, the American might get poached. They seem like they're the ones always getting poached, and I can attest to that personally as a UCF fan. Um, CUSA is always kind of ripe for poaching. MTSU, Middle Tennessee, and WKU, Western Kentucky, were almost poached, but uh, one of the two said no thank you and now everyone is angry at them for not taking the invitation to the American so maybe if there's another shot they'll take it but yeah like you said right now there aren't a whole lot of openings for an FCS school and I don't know how many would be ready to take that jump Monetarily.
0: That's. Well, and, and it is a commitment. And I think, again, there is some financial benefit, but it, it's hard to see, you know. And again, kind of going back to that Sunbelt point, they were the ones in last year that benefited the most from that immediate kind of bout of G5 realignment. They were the strongest by taking off teams like Marshall and Southern Miss and kind of really th- that program, that conference has always been very deliberate in their approach and that is something that has paid off for them when i remember in 2015 when i first went to their media day they they were kind of the the basket case conference and they have this this plan we're going to stick with espn we're not going to ask for a ton of money but we're just going to be stable we're going to be a geographic footprint and we're going to keep moving forward and and somehow yeah that 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 ended up being the correct answer in all of that on uh, the mac just doesn't really have teams that are that desirable and they're I think, and I mean I'm not, I don't mean that to, to but that's part of their that's part of their stability. They they've always been around each other. The oldest I think the oldest is the second oldest conference and you know the their newest member is Akron and I mean I think the only thing that would shock me that would not shock me is if you know a program like Akron just finally said okay we can't do this anymore because they've they've been struggling an awful lot not only on the field but off the field um to keep that program moving but yeah, they're they're definitely on the stable side. Now, I want to let let's see here. We got Hussein who wants to come up here. I'm going to let you up right now. Again, if you want to join the conversation, we'd really enjoy talking to you. There's so much going on in college football, not just the conferences. Oh, and one other thing. It was funny. I just wanted to go back to this because we brought up the American in the vast number of sources that are out there. And again, not not coming from a, a complete fly by night website. Supposedly, the uh, the American was interested in adding the remaining four Pac-12 schools, um, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. But wh- I am not sure if that would necessarily go anywhere. Although, with what's going on with Oregon State and Wazoo, maybe they would be willing to go. Um, only because it, finding them a new home is going to be an interesting question, and in, of all in all of this, especially now that there are, you know, very mild rumors. I mean, the ACC is supposedly looking at Cal and Stanford, although I, I don't know if they would necessarily go there. And then in that same conversation, apparently they're also looking at Southern Methodist because Southern Methodist is really, they're the program that is willing to literally do anything to join a P5 conference. They don't, well, I guess P4 conference at this point, but they're they are willing to literally do anything. We, we, they will pay whatever you want. They will take as little money as you give them. They just want to be at that conference. You know, they remind me, oh, gosh, the last time there was major conference realignment, you know, gosh, 13 years ago, it reminds me of the attitude that Memphis and ECU were having in all of that because Memphis had the, the you know, were a couple of big boosters. ECU just wanted to play anybody. So hearing SMU right now, it reminds me of that program that is literally willing to do anything just to be part of it.
3: Um, but yeah, so Usain, saying you've been really pop, uh, Parmi patient. What's going on? Ah, uh, hi, B Andrew. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm a proud Oregon State Beaver What is it, graduate that currently goes to grad school out in Wisconsin. So I kind of have been, been experienced both cultures out west and out in the Midwest. And it's just been like kind of a lot of world of emotions so far this past weekend. couple of days with uh, all the big things that happened in college football. And on top of that, just having uh, our most anticipated season since 2008. I was just wondering, like, do you ever see this coming back to whatever what uh, whatever we loved about this sport like 15 years ago since like the homogenization of this uh, of the sport is gonna kill some us uh, uh some of the things we loved about it and i was just wondering like uh, are we ever going to go back to like having something that uh was uh, that for every part of, of every corner of the country since like i've i've tailgated out in the midwest and like it's so different from tailgating out what is it uh, out west, and I'm just trying to like I just can't comprehend how like uh this sport is going to be a national sport. Yeah, it's been, Thank you for. Yeah, no, me.
0: it's been really tough for for a lot of y'all out there, especially Beeves and, and Cougs out west. You know, and and as you said, for those who aren't aware, Oregon State. You know, the first major poll that came out was a preseason coaches poll, and they're number 18. This is supposed to be a year, a breakout year for Oregon State to challenge. For the Pac-12, because um, again, this is the full, this is still a full conference season coming up. Nothing's changing for the for this upcoming season. But um, but this has got to really take the wind out of the sails a little bit. Of course, conversely, is this going to give both those programs, plus Stanford and Cal, uh, a trip on their shoulders to to play even harder? Uh, I'm hoping to see more. You know, Andrew, I know you wanted to to, to comment on this
1: yes well first off Hussein I want to say my condolences Um, that the the least I can say is that really sucks what is happening to Oregon State I really like you guys I prefer you over Oregon but I digress Um, to your question about do do you think this is going national in the future my opinion and I think I've seen this a few times, I think even the RCFB account tweeted this out I'm of the opinion that in the next I'm going to say 20 to 30 years from now and I'm no prognosticator so I could be completely wrong but I think in 20 to 30 years we're going to start seeing kind of a shift back to regionalism Um, partially because I think streaming is going to be so prevalent at that point that who knows cable may not exist any longer and i think the athletes are going to be tired of these cross-country trips and we're seeing over the past few years athletes are getting more and more empowered to stand up for themselves to uh, make unions or try to make unions i think in 20 to 30 years the athletes may have their own unions and be able to say, Hey, we don't want this anymore. You're already seeing some softball players from Oregon speaking out against this. So so yeah, my ultimate point being, I think this is just a phase. Um, Eventually it'll get back to more regionalism is my opinion.
0: I think definitely one thing is inevitable. I think we're going to get a, Players are going to be employees at some point. I think it, we're headed in that direction. There's no way we're not at this point. I remember we talked with Stuart Mandel yesterday, and and he was of that same opinion. Just as anyone who's been on that kind of um, macro observation level, it, it seems that's going to be something that whether or not they'll have any ability to demand regional uh, play, I'm not sure, um, but certainly it will it will eventually create an interesting situation. For compensation and really might divide the haves and have-nots even more. Quite honestly, you know, one of the more interesting arguments I read by a a professor who I who I highly uh, respect in sports law, Michael McCann, who's currently ranked for Sportico. He noted that this might be a good opportunity for super conferences if it is just the Big Ten and, and SEC, or you know, at least the the upper echelon. And this is something that's been talked about for many years, but. To really truly separate from the rest of the NCA, at least for football, um, because people have to remember the NCA—it's insane. They have literally over half a million athletes. When you count all the sports, all the divisions, there are over five hundred twenty thousand people playing NCAA sports each year. Of that group, maybe ten thousand play big money college sports, the big time college sports—the ones that we're all talking about now—and and, you know, and hoops and and all of that stuff. So. The thought is they should separate those programs now and create some rules for them only because the fear is eventually because – and I'm not going to get too into the weeds on this because we've talked about it on previous shows. But with the way NIL is going, with the kind of radical moves some of the states are doing where they're just trying to please constituents and loosen up those NIL rules to the point where anyone can pay anybody, eventually a judge is going to just say, you know what, you basically – somebody's going to make a legal argument and and a court is absolutely going to buy it and say – everyone on these college teams are just basically employees with slight, you know, a cloak of not of an amateur athlete on it, but no, they are purely employees now. And that will be okay for an Ohio state or a Texas or USC or an Alabama. But, you know, all these D three programs, all these, you know, some of the lower FBS programs, they're not going to be able to maintain this. That's going to completely create havoc. So, that's the, If you really want to think about what's absolutely the most scary thing that could happen to college sports, that is it within the realm of reason. If that happens, we're going to see something that is completely off the chart. But I'm not going to worry about this exact moment. I want to let some other people up here. Let's see here. I see uh, CJB. You've been patient, and I'm going to get to you, and I promise we'll get to uh, uh, the are Coach Clark, and I'll get to uh, Kari Hicksage. I promise we'll get to as many of you as we can. But CJB, what's going on? What's up, guys? Um,
4: I'm a UCF fan, so I'm, I'm very grateful to have just uh, barely barely made it into the dance here. Um, charge on. Yeah, charge on, baby. Uh, Hussein. Uh, you know, I want to echo what Andrew said. My condolences. Uh, Oregon State and Wazoo are in a, a really tough spot now. My question for you guys is just thoughts on uh, ACC, um, what that looks like if um, Cal and Stanford are – Uh, being recruited over that way and SMU as well. Is that going to force the hand of uh, Florida state and Clemson to, to get a little louder, get a little noisier and and try to bounce out of there and uh, head for somewhere else.
0: You know, that is one of the most fascinating, the ACC even prior to last week had been the most intriguing conference only because there's so many things that could happen and they've been quiet. We, well, partially quiet. We, we know Florida state has been making a lot of noise starting in February with that really dramatic board of regents meeting or board of trustees. I forget which one they call it. And it had to be public. So they basically laid out their situation that they were very unhappy with their conference. And they wanted to figure out, can they get out because as they were putting it, Vanderbilt is making more money than we are because they're in the sec and we're still Florida state, you know, and, and, and you know, going along those lines of thinking. So, to an extent, we, we've we heard Clemson's in the same boat, just not as, as loud as Florida State is in all of this. One of the things that that note that should be noted is, and I forget that both the president of the school and the head of their board have basically hinted that, yes, there is a grant of rights. Yes, it is a lot of money, and, and the numbers out there seem to be a hundred and something million dollars to get out of that contract that they signed. But um they they said it wouldn't be the thing that would keep us back. Now, that might just be bluster. One thing that certainly seems to be on the table is the ACC maybe heading in the way of some other conferences where they're going to do an uneven distribution, where you know Florida State and Clemson will take a bigger piece of the pie at the expense of some of the other programs. And that's happened before. That created animosity in the Big 12 back in the day when Texas was there. So, um, and they're still there, but I mean, that was one of the biggest problems that led to some of the ri- original, uh, departures in that conference. But looking again at the ACC, I, the, even if they do that model, it doesn't seem like they would still reach the, the levels that are being thrown out there by the big 10 and the SEC. So bringing on, if they were to bring on Stanford and Cal and, and SMU, you bring in some new markets that would be out of the ACC country. I mean, again, we got the Metroplex for SMU. You've got the Bay Area and, to an extent, California as a whole, which is a lot of people. It's 55 million people in that state. So if you can cut even a small piece of the pie, you can really add to a TV market. But at the same time, um, it's so tentative now because there's so many factors we don't know. We don't know how it would affect the grant of rights. Anything that would risk letting the horses out of the barn, being FSU and Clemson in particular, um, and they would almost certainly be followed by, you know, I you can make argue it was it's really almost fun to figure out who would be attractive to whom if the ACC broke up. I I personally think yeah I could see Clemson and, and FSU potentially being part of the SEC. I could also see the Big Ten being very interested in UVA, uh, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Miami. Those all fit right into their wheelhouse of being members of the uh, uh, American Association of Universities. That prestigious club that they like to, to recruit from, because all four teams they got from the Pac-12 are in that group. All of their programs, well, okay, all their programs but Nebraska, but to be fair, there's an asterisk. Nebraska was a member of that association when they were brought in, and then they immediately lost their membership because they had changed the equation where all their agricultural research was no longer counted. It's a long story, but all of that said, I think anything that goes on with bringing those three programs is going to have to be balanced with can it keep the money coming in. I'm sure there are some people out there who specialize in this, who are running those numbers. Everything is tentative now. Every No one is certain if that will really go anywhere. If it doesn't, we'll probably know the answer that they couldn't make those numbers work. But if they do land, I guess it'll be interesting to see. I, I It seems weird only because – Those two programs, if they weren't desirable to the Big Ten, why would suddenly they be attractive to crossing the entire country to the East Coast?
4: That's Uh, my, I'm wondering whether it's uh, if it's the the ACC actually wanting those programs to increase, um, you know, what they're bringing in, or if they're thinking that they're getting ahead of Florida State and Clemson possibly leaving. And so they're wanting to um, kind of, uh, I guess, backload that.
0: Only if they can increase the pot. I think it's only if they can increase the pot to a sizable difference they will do it. But if they can't, there's no way. And I think it's gonna. This is this is. I mean, as bad as it is for Wazoo and Oregon State, it's really weird for Stanford and Cal because they are just absolutely being told that. Yeah, you're smart, but <laughs> you know, I, I I'm a USC fan, so this is kind of a little bit of me because they love to uh, they love to pull rank on USC and to a lesser extent UCLA, but. I feel bad for him, but this is such an awkward time for those programs, especially Cal. I mean, Cal, we've brought it up before. I'm just going to run over this real quick. They made such a gamble when they redid that stadium. I think it was 2012 when California Memorial Stadium was redone. They needed to redo it. They built it across a fault before they knew they built it across a fault like you know, 100 years ago, not quite 100 years ago. So they decided... Well, if we're going to renovate the stadium, let's go for broke. So they spent an incredible amount of money on that. Here's the problem. They budgeted the renovation based on, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come model of thinking. So Cal, even though they'd had success, it had Aaron Rodgers, they'd had, you know, uh, s- stunning success on the field, but they just you know, they never quite had a consistent. I still remember, you know, two thousand one. They were absolutely awful. Um, so they were hoping somehow this would let them become as successful as an Ohio State or a USC, and they would sell seat licenses at high fees. None of that materialized. So Cal has been running at an insane debt for that stadium deal that they literally have to pay back over a hundred years. And they've been borrowing from the academic university. I mean, if you look at the list of academic debt among university athletic programs, they are double the next team down. So, all of that said, now Cal is facing getting less per year from a media deal. This is I all okay. Oregon State, Washington State, they made investments in their program based on the money they were being pulling in, uh, being a member of the Pac-12. We know that, but Cal is. by far drowning before they even that's part of the reason why UCLA was so thrilled to go with USC to the pack uh me, to the Big Ten. Their academic permit, their um athletic department was also uh running in the red. And this should help them uh stave that off. But Cal, oh my goodness, if they are stuck with uh, it'll be interesting to watch. It's gonna be an ugly, dramatic thing for that financial um for that financial solution. And that's another reason why taking them in, it's like, ooh, you're taking in that program. I don't think they can even commit anything. To being a, a a football program, you know, at the level that that would be, uh, some of the ones that they would want to replace them with. Stanford, I'm giving them a pass because if Stanford wants to, they could just buy Cal. I mean, they could do whatever they wanted to. They've got a literally a sixty billion dollar endowment. I mean, they literally could do whatever the hell they wanted to. But they, I, mean, I still remember but Before I even, I'm sorry, I'm gonna to get to one more. I want to move on to another caller, but. The thing that amazed me doing a media day, and it was not even for the Pac-12, it was for the Mountain West, but I talked to someone who had been a coach at Stanford, and he, was, he wasn't he was with San Jose State, but he said, San Jose State's got such a problem, they, they, they're in a really expensive market, so if you're an ass- assistant coach not getting paid a lot, it's really hard to afford to live near where you're working because San Jose State's in some of the most expensive real estate in America, And they said, Stanford, meanwhile, they had a booster build a townhouse community for basically a mix of staff, but also athletic staff. So they would have a place to live near the campus in an even more expensive part of the Bay Area. Like that's what Stanford could do if they want to. But that's a that if they want to is a huge push. So uh, anyway, I want to let some more people up here. Let's see here. Um, Coach Clark, I'm going to let you up. And then I promise we'll we'll keep moving through and um, and going through as many of you all as we can.
5: Coach Clark, what's going on? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, thanks, Bob. I've had a pretty busy summer. My I got to see my you know my brother works in, is an expat. He works in China, you know, for a cell phone company. So I got to see him this summer for the first time in three years, and I got to meet wow his wife and his five month old baby boy who will be the first commit of 2024, uh, 2041. <laughs> um we had we you know it's weird coaching college football because you you know you got all your busy your regular busy times in season recruiting um spring ball and then you get really busy at the beginning of the summertime we had a showcase where we had a bunch of teams show up so i got to rub elbows with uh dan lanning jonathan smith uh, you no know, coaches from some, some other stuff you know you're picking their their mind um then then we had our, our resident football camp which is I had a good time doing that. You know, I'd, I'd officiate and keep score on some seven on seven on seven games and scrimmages and, you know, Western's a small world. So I run into coach high school coaches that have either coached me or have I coached with, or have they coach my friends. I actually, we have players on our staff. I've coached with and against, I mean, on our, in our program, you know, and that, and it's, you know, you know, my, last time I checked my old roommates, their sister plays volleyball at our school. You know, it's a small world there at woo. Uh, you know, uh, that and I, I like any good coach. I've been getting ready, ready with one of my tasks, which is scripting North Dakota State and breaking down huddle right now. Still there? Yeah, it's a busy time. What are, What are your thoughts
0: on what's been going on, though? Uh, We've talked about this, and and over the season, you know, off season, I should say. What are your thoughts on what's been going on, especially out west?
5: Well, uh, in the words of Mike Leach. Oh, on the whole Pac-12 network, when when one of the reporters asked him for wedding advice, this is what he said: "Your mom is going to lose her mind. Your dad, I mean, your 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 bride is going to lose her mind. They are all going to lose their mind. God rest his soul." Um, I don't know. I I don't know if you checked your DMs, but I sent you a video. Uh, I sent you, I sent your your Twitter DM some circus music and the Benny Hills, the Benny Hill theme song. Uh, I saw that. Um, I think it's insanity, but you know the sun's going to rise tomorrow. I mean, from from my perspective, I'm coaching at Western. We are playing uh, conference games in Texas on half of these schools' budget. They'll figure something out. And if anyone asks, maybe some type of merger with the Mountain West with the remaining schools. If I think they ought to try to make another power conference. Cause I think this whole thing, power, c- power five and greater six is ridiculous. Cause you know, like if you look at Boise state, their record against the PAC 12 is actually pretty good. You know, um, same thing with Fresno state. They've got, and they've got, and one thing I will say about the mountain West is they've got some coaches that have stuck around, you know, the longest tenured coach in the PAC 12 is Kyle Whittingham. And,
0: and yeah, now he's going to be one of the longer ones in the big 12. Yeah.
5: I mean, and that's, and I guess that's one thing I appreciate at Western that we really don't, that you don't see anywhere else around here is that, you know, Coach Ferguson, you know, he's celebrating 20 years this year and he's been, you know, as head coach and he's been here longer than that. He's been a familiar face, you know, he's got a good relation and we've probably had the best recruiting class we've ever had because up and down the West Coast, we have great relationships with a lot of the high school and JUCO coaches, you know. Um, they come to our camps. They see us at the clinics. We rub elbows with these guys. And, you know, we you know a lot of them on a first name basis. Um, what, what I think will probably happen is there'll be some type of merger with the Mountain West. You know, there's potential at places like UNLV, especially in a place like Las Vegas, with playing, you know, it's, it's, it might be a powerful recruiting tool playing at the Death Star. Boise State has a pretty good record against the Pac 12, so does Fresno State. You know, you could probably come up with something. It's not the end of the world. You know, you're not just going to not play a sport because, you know, it, it all kind of generates a lot of money at those schools.
0: Yeah, it's not like Simon Fraser where they got cut off from everybody and they just had to drop the program because they were way up in Vancouver. They were
5: kind of the no, exception. No, the, no, the sun will rise tomorrow. They'll figure something out. Yeah. But, you know, well, my thing is like everyone's freaking out about this, this NIL stuff going out of hand. There's only so many guys making money on it. You know, and it'll probably calm down some same thing with the transfer portal. I, if, they, if college football wants to do anything to save itself, sooner or later, they're going to need to expand the playoffs. So we because we all know we want to see a greater five team, you know, a greater six or whatever they call them now team in the final. If you find the right coach that gets the right group of players and at the right time, they could very well make it to that game. I think so. They just need an opportunity and a, an equitable chance.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I mean, it, it, well, you know, I just want to say good luck with Western Oregon as well. I mean, it's great to always hear your thoughts on what's going on.
5: Yeah, definitely. And, and then that's a thing too, you know, when recruiting is the name of the game in college football, everything you, you, you know, you know, you know, all the X's and O's are based off of that, what you can get, what people do, you know? Uh, and if they want to even up the odds, you know, a 12-team playoff is going to make that is going to make that equitable. Well, why would I want to ride Pine, you know, at a as a th- two as a three-star or a four, you know, like a three and a half-star or four-star recruit at Alabama or you know Clemson or Notre Dame for three years when I could go to be you know to UAB or um, you know some school or like Coastal Carolina and be a starter for three years and possibly play the all-cover team maybe get a shot at the nfl you know what i'm saying
0: absolutely and we um well
5: sorry sorry bob
0: so no no no, no. i just want to we have so many people up this particular one i want to allow some other people to get a chance to talk as we dominated way too much ourselves early on um but i want to if it's okay coach i'd like to move on to a couple more people if that's all yeah, right that's
5: fine. thanks for your time
0: no, absolutely, Coach. It's always great to hear from you. You know, Ski Mask, you've been really patient. Ski Mask, yeah, Ski Mask Murphy uh, Would love to hear from you.
6: Oh, yeah. I just wanted to talk about this topic because it seems like with sort of like this collapse in a sense of college football, only a few people sort of like seeing this coming ahead of time. I mean, I do recall Jim Trussell, like now a lot of his players are coming out from the Ohio State days of the 2000s are saying, you know, he saw when the Big East was spinning out. He sort of called it being, you know, it's going to end up only being really four or three conferences. But even going further back with Coach Eddie Robinson of Gremlin State, I think it was like 84 or 86, back when they were sort of going against what at that time was sort of like the way the TV contract said it was like the NCAA sort of like gave contracts out and said, you know, all of these schools are packaged together for a region. You got to show every school. And all the big schools are pushing against it. Eddie Robinson was sort of the only person there who said, yeah, this is going to dilute the sport down to the end where everyone's just going to sort of be chasing money. And the big schools are going to, you know, just take off running. And then all the small schools are going to be left behind. And it seems like that's going to be happening now.
0: Well, that's some wisdom from one of the great coaches of all time, Eddie Robinson. I mean, uh, the world is still less for not having him around, but, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot. There were folks who were smart enough to know that the moment it started to become more about, I mean, not to say it wasn't always about money, but it, it was. To an example, when the money got big, and the bigger the money gets, the the crazier this gets. And I, I do hesitate to say because I do see, and I understand the thinking. There's fans all over the place that are saying, "Oh, the networks are doing this. The networks are the, are the puppeteers." I would say. I would hold back just a little bit on that. I think yes, the networks like it, but I don't. It's I feel a chicken and an egg situation here. The networks want to make things so that they can get you know their own their own financial uh, profit off of this, but they're they're struggling too. I mean, ESPN's the the cable cutting that's going on everywhere is is kind of hurting them all. So they're really too busy you know hemorrhaging talent uh, to to be machinations of of trying to, to put some of these conferences together and make some of these calls. But certainly though, they're the ones willing to pay the money. So we see conferences bending to play by the rules that they see that are out there and hiring consultants who are probably telling them this is what the conference will pay you more for. But um I think, yeah, I think I think a lot of folks saw this coming, at least those who've been around long enough and Maybe this is a bit further than they expected, but I I think there are some folks out there with that level of wisdom who who saw it. Thank you so much. That was really good input. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and let up Will. Uh, Let's see here. Will Decker going to let you up next. Would love to hear from you. And again, we'll try to get to everybody. We try to let people up right before we want you to speak, only because there's sometimes some errors with Twitter Spaces. Um, they've been going on forever, but sometimes we'll let you up, and then I can't hear you. And if you're talking. Everyone, literally everyone in the audience can hear you, but me. So I'll have to actually reset my end of it, and then you kind of everyone has to sit and wait. So that's why I apologize. If you're in the queue, we will get to you. We just wait until the last possible second to let you up, only to avoid that error that started to appear about five months ago. But all that said, Will, what's going on?
7: Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, really pumped to be talking with you guys. I just want to get your opinions on this because I grew up in Pac-12 country. It's very sad that everything is kind of you know, evaporating. Um, the question is, Oregon is going to experience similar success to what they've had, and I know they've got money. I'm a Dan Lanning believer for the most part. I think what they're doing there is impressive, and, you know, with Nike's backing, they can pretty much compete with a lot of different scenarios, but are we sure that Oregon is going to be the same level of, you know, competitor that we've seen them uh, going to a more superior conference in the Big Ten where they got to play the Michigan's, the Ohio State's, they got to go to Happy Valley. I mean, as you know, man, even those Wisconsin-Iowa road games are very tough, and, you know, you couple that with USC being back, uh, you know, I think... UCLA, you know uh, you know be too much involved with you know what their statement is, but I, I think they're a program on the rise, man. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great question. And I think Oregon and Washington coming into the big 10, I don't know if I would expect them to immediately rise to the top or consistently be at the top with I, I I'm even hesitant to say USC and UCLA will necessarily automatically go to that top, but to be with that Ohio State, Michigan, or And, you know, Penn State certainly seems to be climbing closer and closer each year, and this may be that year for them. I I'm mean, certainly I think one of them will come up and one of them will rise. But the better argument I've heard is they'll certainly be in the upper half in the sense that they'll be competing to be in that conference title game each year. It may not be as consistent as some of the other programs, but they'll never be. They'll always be on that upper level. They'll be competing with Wisconsin. They'll be competing with, with programs that occasionally do punch their way through and have really good seasons, and especially with this expanded playoff, that could be good enough. You know, that could be good enough to get you an even bigger shot at the pie than what we've been having, you know, up until now. So... I think they they have that opportunity to do that and to compete at that level. Now, with the Trojans and Bruins, uh, we'll see how they do. I mean, uh, I'm a Trojan. I want them to succeed there, but I I want you to see UCLA not embarrass itself. Ha-ha, sorry. Uh, But, you know, I I do want to see
2: them do well.
7: (laughs) Yeah, no, we get it, man. You better – I mean, I was out at every spring practice. I cover UCLA for LA Football Network. If anyone's listening, check us out. We got some good stuff. So I was at every spring practice. That's going to be a damn good football team this year. You know, I think they're going to threaten, you know, 10 wins, 10 wins, you know, which you is know, their, which program their program record. record. So I think that's so I think very, that's in very much in play for, play for them. With you guys with at saint I'm just, I'm just I'm just, more, I'm just convinced more convinced that with Lincoln Riley, you know, the Heisman returning, I just know what you guys are. You guys are Ferrari when you guys get the right coach in there, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Last question I got for you, Reddit College Football. Uh, Texas. Are we sure that they're rising through the ranks? Sarkeesian can recruit, and you're an USC guy, so you know this. Can recruit. He can do almost everything but coach a very, very good football team. He's never had double digit wins in his career. Is it win or bust this year for Sark, especially with him going to the SEC? that one. But then again, you know, if we're talking no,
0: we're caution, talking- caution. If we're talking cautionary tales, the one I'm... Oh, I'm seeing an echo on Andrew. (laughs) Sorry, Andrew, mute for a second there. Uh, But yeah, if if we're talking cautionary tales, the program that I think is also a good example is Miami because they were absolutely terrifying in the Big East. Everyone thought they were going to drop into the ACC, and then they still have yet to win that conference. But, um, But going back to Sark, I... I don't know if they, I think they'll still. I think Texas is willing to give him more room, at least for this season, as long as he can kind of compete at that level that he was this last season. Um, granted, you know, eight eight and five wasn't perfect, and yeah, you're right, he hasn't ever had a double digit win season. Um, I think if he wins the right games and and gets to an even if he can get a, if there's an improvement, I think they'll give him a fourth year. I'm not sure. I would put him exactly on the hot seat unless something really goes, really goes off the the rails for them. But uh, we'll see. I, yeah, uh,
7: I'm with you, man. I think anything less than nine wins this year, and that might even be before a bowl game, I think he's in hot water just because the, the Texas Boosters know they're going to the SEC. And this is going to be them playing Bama, their game, you know. But I'm just if he doesn't get to double digit wins this year with Quinn Ewers, who You know, isn't perfect, but I mean, we've all seen the flashes with that kid. He's wonderful to watch when he's Mm -hmm. on. Um, I just I don't foresee a future of him at Texas, especially with them moving to the biggest conference we have in college football. So I'm just I'm out on it. You guys do a great job. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. And, you know, just one last thought on that. I think um, it'll be interesting kind of another question. Like, would it be a situation where, well, let's start fresh in the SEC or let's give him one shot, at least one season in the SEC to see how he does. But I I don't know which way they'll go. I think if it goes, well, it depends on the season. If things start off really poorly for Texas, and I don't expect them to, then maybe that'll start coming up here. Hey, Ronnie J, what's going up? Yeah, boy, Ron. Hey, can you guys hear me? I'm wearing my headphones today, so I don't know how this is working. Uh, Sounds
8: great on our side. Ah, oh, perfect. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I. The other day, I was talking about uh, UConn. Also, oh, wait, just real quickly. Yesterday, I heard that Rutgers question, and it was very happy that Rutgers got some attention in these, and it wasn't me talking about how we suck. Well, I that had made to. Ask, very happy.
0: I had to ask Stuart Mandel because that, they just published that article that was basically saying was Rutgers the biggest mistake. In realignment, and I, I was like, "Well, we're running out of time." But I'm like, "I gotta at least ask something about the que- about the question." So I decided instead reverse and say, like, "Say something nice about Rutgers." Say- we absolutely <laughs> were we absolutely were a
8: mistake in realignment, and when it comes to the point where they're going to start kicking people out, we, we get kicked out of the Big Ten, I'm going to be like, "Oh, that's I, I I knew this was coming." But Rutgers. Uh, oh Back to what I was talking about um, last week when I called. I was talking about UConn. I was like, I don't understand why the ACC did not make a move on UConn. And you guys are like, well, they don't really know what's going on with FSU and Clemson. They're kind of in a weird spot. But if they're going to add other schools, again, UConn's right there. Sure, the football's not there, but the basketball is, and it gets them into, what's it called? New York. It gets them up. Decent bit of the New York City market, if we're talking about yeah. that. I know a bunch of I personally know a bunch of UConn grads who live in New York City. So it gets me yeah. to the New York market. And if FSU and Clemson end up leaving, I mean, you don't want to end up the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because the, the one program, the, probably the one conference that has seemed to be the most interested in – Excuse me, the most interested in UConn has been the Big 12, and that is a lot on Brett Yormark because, obviously, he's a hoops guy. He was in New York. He was with the Nets for all those years. So he is apparently, and I remember we actually asked Stuart about it yesterday because I was trying to figure out, like, how much of this is coming from the Big 12, how much of this is just Brett Yormark really likes UConn. And it it's not clear, but I, I think I'm leaning towards this is just Yormark's pet, you know, idea in the sense that he sees – the value of basketball, he's not dumb. He knows football is the big moneymaker, but basketball's good. UConn's obviously great at it. They're in the New York market. He knows them well enough being up there. So I think that's one of those things. He really would love that opportunity to get some high-profile games in Madison Square Garden, You know, maybe the, even have a Big 12 tournament up there or something like that. So I know that's part of it for him. Now, whether or not – they ever get added that's a whole other question now that the the Pac-12 finally fully came apart this is when it was just Colorado had joined so I it almost felt like UConn was the backup like if the Pac-12 stayed together and they wanted to go ahead and round that number out they were going to add UConn at this point I'm not sure if UConn is on the table anymore it almost feels like you know, a Hollywood situation where they're trying to cast a really big star. And then they're like, you know what? We're looking at this other guy. He's willing to take a little less, and He's an up and coming actor. And then, you know, the, the big star comes along. That's what it felt like when the four, <laughs> when the four corners, uh, the schools came over. But um, we'll see. I, I, I think the ACC is an interesting one. I mean, if they decide to pull them in, they always have to ask what value they're adding. And they, they have the beast. They have BC. They have Syracuse. I don't know if they want to keep going into the New England market. I don't know how much is really there for a college football, uh, for the college football focus of a lot of these decisions. But that's where I think the Big 12 one was interesting because UConn is definitely in an area they're not in. But I think it's an interesting question. I think UConn, I, I'm really, I'm more curious than I was before because, again, I remember that conversation we had. We said, like, look, they're not the greatest, but they're not awful. Like, they have built enough facilities there where they could probably plug into a conference and where we said Oregon and Washington will compete on the upper half of a conference. I could see Yukon being in the lower half of a conference, but not at the bottom, you know? So it would be interesting. I, I'd be very curious to see what happens to them as these moves happen. Cause they're out there. They They've been wanting to join a conference for a, a long time, but they're still kind of just waiting. Yeah, I, I mostly want it to happen, not because I think
8: it makes the most amount of sense, but because I don't want the ACC to die, which I, will ha- which I think would happen if uh, Clemson and FSU were to leave. So I, the, the only way to really help yourself in that case is you're not going to find another FSU or Clemson. There's, it's just not going to happen is to just try to round it out as much as you can. Just add who add whoever you can take that can deliver any value. And UConn, UConn for basketball, at the very least, you deliver value. Like you said, their football's not the greatest, so they're not going to be delivering too much value there.
0: For sure. Hey, Waterboy, I see you're up here. I just wanted to say, hey, you're one of our team. You're one of our reporters. You were at Pac-12 Media Days. What's going on?
9: Well, I wanted to uh, tell you guys how great the interview was yesterday with uh, Stuart Mandel. And I wanted to kind of highlight something that was said that was just kind of glossed over. Uh, the fact when he was breaking down what is like known information to some, but probably not to much, that the Big Ten schools there that they, they sold the rights to the Big Ten network, and the Big Ten network, the majority got sold, sold to to Fox, and so Fox essentially owns all the rights to the Big Ten schools, and he just kind of said that, and it was it was like yeah, but how many people actually like realize that, and and that's just like the kind of like the the big over like you know arching item of all of the expansion is just how much fox owns like in the college football broadcasting world and
0: it's a bit perilous because we see you know espn is is contract is contracting because of the cable cutting fox you know has divested a lot of its its properties because of its own uh, kind of the problems with linear television. And this is this is the awkwardness of it all. Um, if you looked at the Pac-12 deal, you know, yeah, they were getting something like, it. the exact numbers aren't known, but it was like 20 million, and then they could boost it up with escalators, as they were calling it, to potentially competitive with the Big 12 had they brought on um, a certain X number of subscribers. I think it's like 1.5 million subscribers to Apple, uh, Apple TV Plus. But, and and that spooked the conference, because they the whole reason the PAC 12 is in the situation they were is because Larry Scott convinced them that when they did their own cable network, they should own it completely themselves and then completely botched all of the ability to get it on direct TV, get it on to just, it was just that, that decision-making had had really burned the conference before. And I think scared them from, from taking something new here. But all that said the future, I mean, as we kind of look at where things are going with television, I mean, the, I forgot that sometimes the average age of the cable subscriber is somewhere is close to retirement. It's it's yeah, a it's really a, it's a really astonishingly high number. I mean, when it's still older than me, i feel like, wow, that's a high number. Uh, when, it's, when it gets in the 40s, I'm like, oh no, that's not old. But um, <laughs> but but oh, that said, that that's not that doesn't bode well. But I think. They're willing to just stick with this model as long as it's willing to cough out the dough. But there could be a moment where, yeah, does does the certain point with the uh, with the uh, um, the cable the cord cutters start to make an impact, and then the next round of media deals, it's impossible to make these. But I think that in, in which case, an Apple deal or an Amazon deal or one of these deals suddenly becomes the next move. But. The Pac-12 just wasn't willing to do that. And, and for those reasons, that's why it, it flew apart when it did. And,
9: yeah, and he had the the most interesting kind of line where he said, ultimately, Fox said, hey, we can make our ratings on a Friday night go from a 0.4 or 0.5 to a 1.0. So that's worth killing off a 100-year-old conference because that extra half point will be profitable for us.
0: I know Crow would be, would (laughs) wanted to keep that together until the last second and he would have been like, yes. I do love the fact that he referred to it, uh, the president of, of Arizona State, as like Star Trek Technology and things <laughs> like that, and people were like, "Okay." <laughs> people were like, but, <laughs> like that, "Did did they show him an iPad?" And he's like, "What is this? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you can watch television on this?" <laughs> you know, he's it's gonna blow so bad, but he's become the punching bag of all of this conversation. He's an educated person. He's president of university. Yeah, in blow his State mind when his, he goes it to the university. university.
9: He's going to blow his mind when he goes to the grocery store and finds out he can actually like self-checkout and scan things. Oh, my gosh.
0: I just wouldn't want to be behind him in the line. That's all i got to say. Right. If I can self-checkout. <laughs>
9: <laughs> yeah. But hey, hang, on, just, hang
0: out with us. Hang out with us. Uh, well, I just want. Well,
9: I just really oh, want to tell you guys how good it was yesterday with Stuart Mandel, and just kind of highlight that point that, literally, the Big Ten like viewing is owned by Fox, and so that's like basically huge for not just the next like all the future media deals for college football.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's see here. We got someone else up here. We'll try to get as many as we can.
10: Roberto, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for. Uh, thanks hey, for... thanks for your
0: patience, man. I just yeah. want to say that, and, and we know we try to get to as many
10: folks as we can. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. So, you know, a lot of the talk's been like about the nuances of the new conferences. I think we should pivot towards some actual football here. And I, I got a dark horse pick for the Heisman. I think Jaden Ott out in out in Berkeley is going to be a real player this year for the Heisman.
0: You know, you know, this is a really fascinating time, I think, for for some of these candidates, especially if if they're you know, someone at Cal or someone at Oregon State, as we talked about, they're ranked in the preseason um in the top twenty five in the in the first coaches poll. They're gonna get a lot more eyeballs on them because of what's going on. So normally you'd almost say like, yeah, but they're not going to get the attention. Everyone's going to look at USC, number one, then who's the new quarterback at, OSC, at Ohio State, Who? what's going on at Michigan. People are going to still be looking at, you know, obviously Notre Dame's got that great transfer. The, that's going to be leading them. There's so many of those. But now suddenly everyone's like, well, people are going to be curious to see what happens, especially to the Pac-4. Um, how are they going to do in this final season? So that might give them those eyeballs. And If, if Cal starts to win enough games and win the right games, it, I, I wouldn't put it without the, out of the, the realm of possibility although it isn't still an unfair award in a lot of ways so you, you need some of the other programs to kind of struggle a bit but it, I don't think it's impossible
10: right right okay I, I get that uh, and what do you think about Cal and Stanford uh, and their situation with the well corporate- I think
0: well, I think, yeah, no, I think they're in a slightly better situation than Oregon State and Wazoo, which is regrettable for those two teams. But at the same time, Cal and Stanford still have some attraction They're They're in the Bay Area. It's not like an unpopulated place. There's there's some TV there. It's not quite as hyper for college football. Uh, we The first national championship we ever covered, and we had a reporter who's local because we weren't sure they'd let us in, was actually when... Um, It was in Levi Stadium, and it was so dead. Like, our reporter was like, you could literally walk around downtown San Jose. Every big name from ESPN is just walking around the streets, and no one knows who they are because no one here is a college football fan. But all of that said, there's still some attraction in bringing that in. I think the ACC might be a call for that. I mean, because it's so funny, The Big Ten just doesn't sound like they're interested. Um, They got the two teams they were willing to do that last year, it seems like they were willing to analyze every Pac-12 program as a potential carry along with the uh, the USC and UCLA poach. They Kevin Warren, the outgoing, who is now obviously he's no longer the, the commissioner, but he was more bullish on the Big Ten expanding more. And by all accounts, it was the presidents of the uh, Big Ten universities said, "Like, no, that's enough. Let's first figure out USC and UCLA, and move on from there, and then." Obviously, Kevin Warren, who was from the NFL before, went back to the NFL. Now he's 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 heading the uh, the Bears. So, Petiti, I'm pretty sure, just took it off the shelf. Like, well, in case the Pac-12 explodes, what teams would we really want? And that's why they were almost immediately able to jump in and grab Oregon and apparently, uh, uh, yeah, Oregon and Washington. Now, Stanford and Cal, it seems like they're still not desirable to them. The ACC approach and possibly coming with you know Southern Methodist that one sounds like it i'm not going to say it sounds like it has strong legs it sounds like it's the one that is actually being considered but whether it goes anywhere it's it's going to depend and i'm not sure i mean stanford and keller academically you know among the very top universities but that'll only take you so far i mean are we going to look at uh, there was a good article i think um Sam Kahn wrote it uh, for the Athletic, where he was talking about comparing this breakup of the Pac-12 to when the Southwest Conference broke up, and then you had a team like Rice, which was you know competing in the same conference with Texas, suddenly just sort of cast adrift because they were an academic powerhouse, but they really weren't desirable to some of these other conferences, and they kind of you know withered over time. I'm not sure, and, and as I mentioned earlier, Cal has so much of that that financial liability because of the stadium renovation that they're still dealing with and they had bad luck i feel so bad for them they they got i still remember cabam field they got a um, a mobile game maker to do a field a field rights deal so it was like memorial cabam field at california memorial stadium that lasted 2 years and then who's the next big name they got in ftx so that lasted a season and a half before ftx <laughs> imploded um, in the court and is currently in the courts right now. So I, I'm, I feel bad. It's like everything is stacked against them financially.
10: Yeah, it's uh, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the symp- sympathize with them. You know, I, I noticed a lot of people in college football are kind of kicking them while they're down.
0: Which is a shame. I think that's a shame. I think, you know, nationally, it, it's I don't think it's I think that might become a little bit more out of the corners of the Pac-12. But I, I, I think once you leave the Pac-12, you see a lot more sympathy for uh, the, the four that are currently figuring out where the heck they're going to go.
10: All right. All right. Well, I, I, I appreciate you uh, giving your opinion on that. But I, I, I want to end on one thing. You, uh, you, you said that Oregon, you thought that they would be on the kind of the same level as Wisconsin in the Big Ten, right?
0: I think they would be in that kind of zone of like the, the upper half of the Big Ten in terms of competition. But thanks for joining us. We really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Absolutely. Let's see here. I'm going to let on my son,
11: Bort. All
0: right, my son, Bort, what's going on?
11: Hey, how's it going? Well, first of all, I'd say I'm a uh, San Diego State fan. So the last 13 months have been pretty much a consistent kick in the crotch leading up to this week. Um,
0: Well, it could have been worse. Imagine if San Diego State had paid the exit fee for the Mountain West to show up in the Pac-12 Imagine that, and then all this goes to hell. Like that would have been far. I mean, it's weird. They're in a, they're in such a weird circumstance. Like it could have been so much worse. And then there's a, I don't know if you saw, and I'm sure you you as a San Diego State you saw these this back to back. Dennis Dodd at CBS reports that San Diego State apparently tried to create a new Power Five conference with the remnants of the Pac-12, some of the Mountain West, and some of the American. And then, you know, almost immediately afterwards, uh, you know, Wicker, the, the, uh, the athletic director of San Diego State, calls that out as being completely false. So that, that has been one of the more amusing kind of back-to-back article, I should say, article and tweet that came out today. It's, it's been absolutely fascinating to see. How that goes, and and I mean, part of us, some folks, I mean, at RCFB, are reacting like, is it just, was it really false, or is it just that it didn't work out? Because so much of this stuff happens behind you know closed doors. I mean, think about a year and a little over a year ago, no one expected UCLA and Cal, probably UCLA and USC, to leave when they did, and suddenly within like twenty four hours, it's like, oh my gosh, they just left the, they're going to be leaving the Pac twelve they if someone had said it earlier people would have been like no they were never leaving that's just a crazy rumor so i i, I don't know it's hard to tell in college sports
11: well I, you, know, I, you know i didn't really call the talk because i've fully moved on to the acceptance of group of five and the zen that is you know what avoiding this fire dumpster fire that is everything we've all been involved in and talking about this past week and just you know, I don't know. I just haven't seen any takes like that yet. They're like, you know what? This is what college football is supposed to be. Who do you think is going to have a better – who do you think has a better fan experience, App State fans or Indiana fans, right? And so I just think, you know, maybe it's some time to kind of go back to really what makes college football college football, enjoy it. Who cares how many administrators are in my athletic department, how many nutritionists are on staff? Just let's just have some good football,
0: Absolutely. I think that's it. I can't wait for the, the kickoffs to start happening. I guess I can't remember. Is that game in Ireland, the first kickoff? But I, I can't wait for football to start and the rest of this will sort of fall away until we get past this. But uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was good hearing from you. All right. Next up, I'm going to let up. Uh, let's see here. Cooper Ray. Cooper Ray, what's going on? Love to hear from you. And it's always funny when you come up uh, to the live tables, suddenly there's a I've been told there's an audio jump, so once we let you up to the stage, you go to the live feed. So, Cooper, when you get a chance, unmute. Would love to hear from you. Oh, do we have someone not make it? Sometimes it happens. That's been a while. That was a good run we had there with, with that not happening. Let's hear. I'm going to go with with Andrew, Andrew Gilmore. What's going on?
12: Hey, how's it going? Can
0: you sure hear can? Me, yep.
12: Awesome. All right, so uh, don't want to sound like a hater because I'm actually from the Midwest um, and I love Big Ten football. But I think it's kind of ridiculous how overrated Michigan is um, nationally. I mean, number two in the coaches poll. Uh, my question for you is, do you, do you think, or it's really a two-part question, do you really think that Michigan is in the conversation to be the second best team in the country? And then the second part of it is, is the Big, is the big Ten as a conference, despite how much uh, clout they have, Are they anywhere near as good as the SEC? Because, like, I think about a team like Tennessee last year who played a much, much tougher schedule than Michigan, went into LSU, beat them by 30 points. And, like, if you look at Michigan's schedule last year, their only big win was, and hats off to them, they went into Ohio State, won that game. Then they go into the Final Four and lose to, I'm sorry to say, of a mediocre TCU team. And, like, we're supposed to expect Michigan is the second best team in the country? Like, uh, And then look back to 2021 when, when Michigan ran the table, didn't play anybody all year. They, they had a one-game season against Ohio State, won that game, and then got blown their doors off against Georgia. And so I just think, like, what's the difference between Michigan and and like a Brian Kelly Notre Dame team like why are we giving so much respect to them that's my question
0: well i think and and i i love how hot this one is this is great i i i love the question because i can i can feel some of the michigan fans already kind of getting really well, upset and i just think they're, being I mean, typewriters.
12: They're, a one game but, season should not mean everything like i i just think i have a i'm a notre dame fan actually but i do have respect for michigan but i just think like the an sec team who's got to beat five, six good teams every, every year. Like that's respect. You know what I mean? Like a one game season and like that makes you the second best team in the country. I'm sorry. I, I just, I need to see more. You got to beat somebody else. Well, of the I think 10. Well,
0: and I, I get, I, I understand where you're coming from on this, but at the same time, we have to credit Michigan for getting to the playoff, you know, a couple of times in a row, they lost to what uh, Georgia. And then this time, yeah, they lost to TCU, but then Ohio, Ohio state nearly knocked off Georgia and then we saw what happened I, in the title game. We'll set that aside. Yeah. But the. <laughs> but
12: I mean, come on, man.
0: Like, <laughs> then then you, the, the magic seen, left have TCU. Seen, have you
12: seen Michigan's uh, non conference schedule? It's it's really been oh. a joke the last two years. I mean, they're not traveling. You know, and I,
0: to, yeah. to, I, I definitely agree, scheduling, especially as a Notre Dame fan. You get to point at other but people no, no, and say I, your I, scheduling I, I, I is I weak. I get that
12: for being transparent, but I'm really an objective fan. Like I like Jim Harbaugh.
0: Oh yeah, no, and no, no. I, I, think I, think I, I didn't mean that like, as an I insult to being a Notre Dame is, fan. I'm just saying Notre big, Dame, te- te- is, Notre Dame schedules tough. It's
12: the big Notre Dame ske- even on SEC's level. Like, could could Ohio State or Michigan go 11 and one uh, in in the SEC? I mean, I guess that's the ultimate question. I I don't think they can, but I mean, I, and do they deserve this kind of respect? Yeah.
0: Well, I think certainly Michigan, as long as you keep... I mean, the Big Ten, you could argue season to season if who's stronger, the SEC or the Big Ten. I think certainly top to bottom for the last several seasons, or most of them, at the very least, the SEC could make that argument. They've been the stronger conference top to bottom. But I think Michigan making its way through... The uh, through the Big Ten schedule is still because I mean, if we're going to talk about non conference schedule, the SEC certainly can't point fingers. We all know the SEC's non conference schedule is just as uh, they, It's they smart scheduling if you want to look at it this way. Well, I mean, if you're and, trying to be and a Dama national went into contender, Texas
12: last year they, they went into Texas, yes, they no, no, absolutely. LSU, and, and it's LSU not like those games don't occur, they went right into Texas. I mean, it's like at least they're trying, at least they're trying to schedule a tough game. It's like Michigan, right? Texas, and UConn, that's They're playing like uh, some Mac team. It's just like, what is going on here? It's like, I I think it's really ridiculous that I think you should be penalized. And I think that I think you can get sucked into the idea because the Big Ten has so much clout media wise and like, hey, hats off. Jim Harbaugh has figured out how to beat Ryan Day. He could not figure out how to beat Urban Meyer, but he's figured out how to beat Ryan Day. But beating Ryan Day doesn't mean that you can go into Tuscaloosa and beat Nick Saban or go into Athens and beat... Beat Kirby Smart. So, like, I don't get why we're giving him so much respect. I mean, one game does not make a season. But I apologize. I, I won't Well, to be anymore. fair, yeah. he
0: won 13 games last season. And, you know, with one loss. But I I, I certainly beat, can see why there's a lot of skepticism. Who did he beat? I, I know Purdue. people thought he was overrated. So I, I get that. But I'm going to have to give Harbaugh some credit there. I mean, whether two is too high, I don't know. I I think that was an interesting one to see in the coaches poll. I'm more curious than eight people, but I know that like some other folks have had them high as well, at least in the top ten. Mostly because they recur, you know, the, who they're returning. They're returning a good quarterback. They're returning a lot of starters. We'll see. But I mean, ultimately, we're gonna. I, I'm very curious to see if Penn State is gonna rise up and knock them off. And of course, we're gonna see at the end of the year how they do against Ohio State. And of course, anything can happen between then and now. But Thanks for your opinions on this. We really appreciate I just, I, it. Thanks I,
12: for joining us. I'll just end on this. I just think that the SEC, you have to give them credit. They've won tons of championships over the last 17 years. Their, their guys tend to, I mean, I know Georgia doesn't have the hardest schedule now, but they tend to play at least one tough uh, non-conference game. I think it's ridiculous that Michigan is going to stay by the last two years and not play one decent non-conference game, and then we're going to – Say that they're the number two team in the country just because they beat up on Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I'll end on that.
0: All right, thanks so much. We appreciate yep. it. Thank and you. it looks like Cooper, we got you back up, and this time I think I actually heard you. So, what what's on your mind? Yeah, sorry, man, my earphones weren't working. um Don't worry, it happens. We've <laughs> had everything. It's it's really funny when we schedule a guest way ahead of time. It, this didn't happen this week, but. And then they get there and they're like, oh, I have to use my phone. Yeah, no, that's all
13: good. I I mean, the whole thing with like, I love to think and put myself in people's shoes. And I'm trying to think like what the Big Ten's thinking behind closed doors, you know, after they've kind of gone through this past weekend and everything that transpired. I feel like they got like two options. And one school in particular is one that has to have been on their mind for decades, how to get them in. And that's like. Notre Dame to me you know that's like the one big fish that I think they have they've always wanted to have and I feel like they're with the Florida State Clemson stuff I'm like do you think they have like two options they could go after because I feel like if there's one school that got left out this past weekend they could maybe throw a lifeline to is Stanford and I feel like if they did that then they could go to Notre Dame and say, hey, listen, we got Stanford, USC, some traditional rivals, and then you can keep playing Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. But I feel like if they do that, they have to go all in, and then you can't really have room for the Florida State-Clemson scenario or North Carolina-Virginia schools, stuff like that. I just want to get your opinion on that.
0: Well, realistically, I don't think Notre Dame's ever going to join anything. I, I every time it comes up, they are absolutely no go on this. Yeah. They they don't want to be part of it. I think, and one of my uh, co-hosts who who isn't here right now, Sirius, he he put it pretty well in the off season. I forgot the way he phrases it exactly, but the only shot, excuse me, anyone ever really had at Notre Dame was in the pandemic when the conference um, schedules turned into probably when the schedules turned into conference only the ACC could have held Notre Dame over the coals and said, like, you got to join as a full member before we let you play this season. That was, like, mm-hmm. the closest anyone got, and they didn't. They were like, no, we're going to be nice to them. Um, and then <laughs> Notre Dame's like, thank you. And then just, you know, Notre Dame's going to be Notre Dame. I think it's they, they value that independence so much. Historically, they were, gosh, if you really want to look back, they were, they kind of, Scandalized the original uh, College Football Alliance in the in the 1990s because that was what used to negotiate on behalf of all the conferences, but the Big Ten. And back then, they they yeah. actually uh, they actually had their own conference deals, but all the other conferences: SEC, Southwest Conference, Big Eight, WAC. They all went in one pack and kind of negotiated their TV rights until one day, Notre Dame decided, "Hey, we're leaving." NBC's our our TV rights deal and that was one of the major cracks they say that eventually broke that all up especially when the southwest conference imploded but all of that said um th- i think that's the continuing theme the notre dame mindset is we're going to stay independent so i, I think realistically w- you can't rely on them i think if they ever said we we're willing to join a conference we're going to see one of the wildest competitions of the bachelor, you know, ever made. Yeah,
13: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just kind of thinking, like, with these mega conferences coming, I'm assuming, you know, these TV companies, they're going to be like, they want to get bang for their buck, and they're going to say, well, you know, nine conference games, 10 conference games. There's 24 teams in a conference, and you want to get everybody playing, you know, you don't want one school not to play another for four years. You're going to have to say, we only play 10 or 11 conference games. Well, then I feel like their scheduling, Notre Dame's scheduling is going to be hard to, to map out for projected years when everybody's like, well, we already got to play 10, 11 conference games. You know, maybe I don't really want to play you. And then you got to start picking up group of five games. And then your schedule, I mean, you know, no matter what, Notre Dame goes nine and three. They're going to make the playoff every year if it goes to a twelve team. I and mean, it's it is what it is. Yeah, and
0: especially with the expanded playoff, they've got a, no reason to really to join. If, if as long as they can schedule in, they'll be good. Hey, Andrew, yeah. I know you wanted to add something to this. Iowa. Oh, that's, Iowa, that's Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa State. Hey, yes. Yeah.
13: Yeah. Well, thanks, but That's all I had.
0: Well, we appreciate it, Cooper. Thanks for joining us. Let's see here. I, I wanna. I don't want to let us all. I, there's so many people who want to join. I'm gonna still. Let's keep this going a little bit longer. Let's see here. CFB power pick them. I'm going to go ahead and let you up. Then I'm going to try and get to uh, our friend Gamecock Superman. Uh, looks like SSN Boise state and Gail. I'll try to get to all of you guys. Just be patient. I promise. All right. What's going on?
14: Hey guys. Hey, thanks for uh, taking the, the request. Um, so one of the things that I've kind of been kicking around in my head is trying to, trying to think like a TV exec, but also think like a, a college football sicko, like we all are. So, um, you know, big money, big TV, big brands—they're all realigning, making this stuff happen. I kind of think a lot about how these these smaller schools are going to suffer, quote unquote, um, if they can't if they can't schedule like the last guy was just talking about. They can't schedule some of these power guys to get a paycheck or. Uh, and and they're not going to want to spend their out of conference time playing smaller schools. They're going to start looking more amongst the Power Two or whatever that becomes because these are big brands on big TV making big money. Uh, they're not going to go there. So if I'm a, if I'm to believe that this is happening because the sport has never been more popular, that more people are tuning into college football, showing interest in it, then I have to think that what is stopping the G5 level from going out, picking up some of these teams that are being relegated down to their level because they're being kicked out of the power level? And, you know, hey, what do just say, like Joel Klatt mentioned before, that um, some of these teams that are already in the power level don't get relegated down uh, later in time as this becomes more and more critical and more about money. But that the G5 go out, pick up these teams, somebody with leadership uh, bring these conferences together and say, hey, there's available inventory out there for us to drop games during the week. It's not always just about Saturday. They can find slots during the week, run their games, and then say, hey, let's do a playoff ourselves.' Who's to say ESPN doesn't come around and say we we want more inventory? I I doubt that they would considering they have all the power programs wrapped up, but – you know, I, I just see the G5 could go find somebody like I, I'm making it up the CW for God's sake. I mean, if, if they pulled golf, who's to say the CW doesn't want to do CFB, something like that? Uh, do you got any thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, and it's funny you mentioned the CW because at one point it sounded like the Pac 12 is negotiating with them and they just didn't get numbers they wanted. But I, the G5 is an interesting circumstance right now. I I've heard the idea of a parallel playoff before. This was that's been bandied about over the last, I would say, five, six years. But one of the things that may have put that to rest is the idea of expanding the playoff, which is coming next year. Um, not this season, but next season when we suddenly have twelve excuse me, a twelve team playoff. Now you really do have an opportunity for not just, you know, a participant in the New Year's six or that rarity of when Cincinnati made the playoff but there's real opportunity now for some of these teams to get in that said they do i mean the g5 has always been the master of coming up with some of these more creative financing ideas the mountain west actually used to come up with some of the i used to enjoy listening to what the mountain west plans were each season because at one point they put a game on twitter they were trying to put a game on like facebook like they they were tra- testing ideas that even the nfl later did um, right before the NFL would do it, they were willing to try some of these ideas, mostly because their payouts were low to begin with, and so they were willing to try new ideas. Um, I believe I read the Mountain West media deal pays out something like six to nine million dollars per team. I'm, I'm, that's a huge range, but it's somewhere that's high single digits. Whereas, obviously. Cal and Stanford previously were getting thirty-four million per year, and uh, it, they were going to get less no matter what. They knew they were going to get less um, with this new deal, just not as low as what um, uh, George Kliavkoff, the commissioner, brought to them last week, that caused the conference to spin apart. But um, that so when we're looking at w- the strength of a G five kind of coming together. I'm not sure. I mean, there will be, you're right, there will be interest in their programming. I don't know if they'll be willing to do a separate playoff because now they have at least a, a theoretical shot at getting, I mean, now, now they will get in every year, at least in the next couple of playoffs once, once the expansion officially starts um, next season. But I'm not sure, you know, they'll they'll certainly be interested. You're right, they'll certainly be hunger for programming. and And I think, whether it's ESPN, I don't know, but wh- it might be that. It might be a mix of the CW. Maybe Apple TV will be able to convince one of these conferences. Because I'm pretty sure Apple wanted to make this work. I mean, they're not stupid. They saw the value in bringing in sports. They've obviously got an MLB package. They've got an MLS package. The idea of suddenly bringing in, uh, you know, some college football when it sometimes will peak to be the second most popular sport in the country, you know, that there's no reason why they wouldn't want that. But I think... I think it'll be the G fives will be the ones most likely to do that, but it, it it's a matter of who's willing to pay them enough. And um, maybe when the next contract renegotiations come for them for their media deals, we'll start to see some of these creative ideas. And maybe they'll be the canary in the coal mine. They'll be the well that that's not the way I want to put it. <laughs> they'll be the guinea pig. They'll be the one to actually take that Apple deal and prove that it works. And then suddenly the big conferences will be like, oh well, we'll just do that as well. Um, so. It's a good question. it's It's a real it's a real open thought on what where that'll actually go, though.
14: Yeah, and I'll, I'll end on this. Thanks for taking the question. I think it it will have to happen for a separate playoff, and this is just me. And I'll put my crack pipe down when we're done. I think it will be important because. If the big money, the big TV is going to follow these power conferences, that's going to be the only thing they're going to want to put on TV. They're not going to care about these little guys. I think that it's going to be a survival mechanism as much as it is going to be something that's good for the health of the sport overall and all of us to watch more football. So I appreciate you guys.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you know, we're going to wrap up with a couple of more callers. I promise we're going to get to the three that are up here in the queue right now. I just let up Gamecock Superman, then SSN Boise State, and we'll wrap up with Gil. What's going on, Gamecock <laughs> Superman? It's been a bit. So how
15: are you guys uh, doing tonight? Um, you know, obviously I'm I'm disappointed in the news about the Pac-12 and, you know, going off of sort of what um, CFB Power Picks was talking about with these G5, teams and these teams that maybe aren't you know the the biggest uh brands in the sport you know i'm wondering how this is going to expect uh, affect the fcs level um because as we know one of the main revenue generators for these fcs um athletic departments is being able to schedule the power five teams and you know getting 15 million, 20 million, or, or whatever uh, the number is to just, you know, play these power teams and, and basically take an automatic L. While, you know, that isn't very fun for the fans for the most part, um, it, it does play an integral role in keeping these athletics departments who are on shoestring budgets alive. And I just think for the health of the sport, you know, all the money can't be conglomerated into the, the top of, you know, the, the biggest brands and, and, the, and the teams with the most money. It, it kind of reminds me of the situation that they had in uh, European soccer where, you know, they essentially wanted to do the same things rather than watching, you know, Manchester United play some lower-level team. They just wanted to have Manchester United play Real Madrid and all the other, you know, big big names within European club soccer. And the fans obviously stopped it, but, but it seems like within college football, the greed and the desire for money has sort of, you know, uh, not allowed for the fans to, to stop it. As As many people have already discussed, they – never ask the student-athletes or the fans what they thought about realignment. It's all about just create, generating more revenue for, um, you know, athletics departments who already have a ton of money and for, uh, you know, TV broadcasters.
0: You know, I'm, I'm not quite as worried. I think with... I, I certainly don't think they have any legal ram, uh, ability to, to file an injunction or anything like that, but I, I think with the FCS programs... They'll still be needed. They'll still be. I mean, there there still should be room for non-conference games. Um, we had an earlier caller who was quite critical about Michigan scheduling, uh, but certainly with within the SEC and within the Big Ten, within all the major programs. Uh, but for you know, like two of them, FCS games are not are are still part of building a, uh, a sort of a, an opportunity to to get a home win. We assume, uh, obviously, there are exceptions to that to get the, the home fans excited, to host something, um, you know, get that extra home revenue. So, I mean, there's certainly... Um, there's certainly possibilities for them. I think, really, and, and this, gosh, this has been a very long uh, space, Twitter space, but at the very beginning, we kind of... Um, there was a conversation with an earlier caller where the thought would be, I'm more interested in seeing once FC... Once all of these FBS programs are finished moving, because we're certainly... In an awkward time right now, when things are not done, the the, the existing pack four, whatever happens to them, and you know there's an, uh, several variations out there. Um, whatever happens to you know, does SMU move? Does you know all of these questions? Once we see some finality with where the conferences are going to settle down, um, I think then we might actually see a question of, well, will there be some G five conferences that need a backfill? And in which case, will they look close to themselves? Because if an FCS program, there's certainly some that are willing to move up, some don't have the interest. That, that would be my question. Will we start to see more FCS programs move up to backfill some of these G5s if they get heavily poached? Let's say the Mountain West, some of their teams somehow leave and join the Pac-12, the, what's ever left of the Pac-4, um, to kind of backfill that conference. Does the Mountain West then look to try and poach some teams from around them, like the Big Sky or something like that? And who knows? You know, does Idaho suddenly want to move back up? Yeah, you know, there's so many variations there. But in terms of scheduling them for the money games, which are, you're right, it's a part of the ecology of of so many of these programs that count on these. Um, I think it's possible. I think I, I don't think. I don't think they're going to disappear. Uh, I think there's still going to be an opportunity for them. Now, as kind of actually going back to one of the things Andrew said, I don't know if there would be an injunction by those FCS teams, but I could see a state legislature requiring, because I think there's a couple of states that do that, where the states require their FBS programs to occasionally play those other teams in the state um, to, to keep them going. So I'm, there's any variation there that could happen to keep some of those programs going. So we'll see, but you're right. If they go, as, as Andrew also said, the 10-conference game model as the Big Ten is discussing, um that could make it uh, that that will give fewer and fewer opportunities like for example for USC well first of all they're a terrible example because they've never played an FCS program but the one of their non-conference games is always locked into Notre Dame i mean South Carolina is always going to have a game with Clemson whether than the same conference or not so i mean you know there's some of these are just going to be always there like Georgia and Georgia Tech you know they they're, they're going to be part of that non-conference slate but um yeah it's a good question and uh and hopefully that might we will avoid some terror some some tough financial things for the uh, fcs level but that's a possible consideration thank you for thank you for bringing that up boy we're no problem just, and <laughs> absolutely I, I
15: appreciate you uh uh taking the time
0: always man you always ask great questions let's see here um we've got two more callers we'll get to both of you um our friend Boise State SSN, uh, he's coming up. let see how that goes. I see we're getting kind of the spinning. On my end, I'm seeing the spinning circle of trying to add him. So I'm going to try and add Gil as well. Um, and we'll see who gets up first. And we'll, we will always talk to both of you. Hey, Gil, uh, I could see you're up here. If you want to unmute, I'd love to hear from you.
16: Yeah, how's it going? I appreciate it. Um, I was just wondering if change, – change it a little bit. Um, I was just wondering if we talk about the upcoming year. Um, big Louisville guy here, and I'm just wondering, are we buying or selling the Cardinals this year? Because down here, there's big buzz. Um, no Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina on the schedule. Um, there's high hopes down here with Brom coming back. I'm just wondering to get your take on what to look forward to for this year for the Cardinals.
0: Boy, oh boy, I know they've been put mostly in the
16: middle of the ACC in a lot of the rankings
0: I've seen. Oh, my goodness. And I feel I always I'm going to do the, uh, the, the the classic, you know, let's let's take a look at the old schedule. Well, opening at Georgia Tech, um, that's going to be an interesting one. I I'm I always feel like Louisville has an opportunity to be to, to compete for the top. They can they can make it. The ACC is not exactly hasn't been the easiest for them, but they have an opportunity. So you're right looking at the schedule right now. Uh, for those who obviously are at home, you're probably listening to this. They open with Georgia Tech. They got a you know an FCS game with Murray State, Indiana. So on the week, definitely the weaker side of the, the Big Ten. BC, they're uh, definitely a winnable program at NC State, Notre Dame. That's the circle. That's the. It's not a conference. Well, I always forget this. I know they're technically they 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 play into the ACC, but does that count for conference standings? I've actually, you can tell me this, Gil, off the top of your head, probably more than I can. No,
16: no, I don't believe so. Okay,
0: well then, that then we can we can just set them aside for a second. At Pitt, you know, Pitt seems like they'd be a solid enough team this year. Duke, you know, Virginia Tech, Virginia, at Miami, and then of course the rivalry with Kentucky, as we were just talking about out of conference rivalries. But um, that's a plausible schedule. There, there's an opportunity there to 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 move, further, move build on that eight five season last year. Um, now. There's certainly now looking if they make it to and get the ACC title game, there might be a totally different uh, question there. But I I I think they certainly you're right. The schedule is extremely favorable for you guys this year. I mean, this is probably one of the, the the better schedules in the ACC for getting to bowl eligibility, and making a push. But I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna I I always love to rely on my callers. What do you think? What's what's the big strength for Louisville on the field this season? What what should we all look out for?
16: Well, I think. That's the thing is, you see, last year, defense carried this team. Defense, um, the, the quarterback pressures, quarterback sacks, they were allowing, I think it was 16 points a game. Defense carried this team last year, especially when the offense wasn't playing good. But this year, um, you, you got Brom there. His plumber, you got one of his old quarterbacks at Purdue coming back. So he's got the system down. I think we'll see a little flip of the script. Brom did really good in the transfer portal as well, I believe. And so it's essentially a new slate. And so there's this buzz going on down here where you're thinking, man, like, yeah, you know, at Pitt's a tough game. BC was close. But if you can get past, you can play, if you can get some momentum in these first four games, if you can beat Georgia Tech, Murray State, there you go. Play Notre Dame well, you can gain momentum through this season. And so there's just, yeah, we don't know, but there's an excitement down here.
0: I, I think this is warranted. I'm looking more and more at, the, at at who's who you've got. You know, there's only 13 starters returning, but I mean, again, the schedule, especially with that start, seems favorable to getting the team moving in the right direction. So, I, I get it. I think it's warranted. I think there's a real strong opportunity to finish in the upper half of the ACC. I, I'm going to he- hesitate to go further than that. We'll we'll see how the team goes, but. Uh, I think, yeah, there's a good reason for that. And it seems like a lot of folks are, are agreeing with that. I am sort of, I admit, I check the Bible. I check Phil Steele when, I, when I'm not sure. <laughs> and I know he's hot on you. He, he thinks the same thing in the sense that it seems like a really favorable opportunity for you guys to finish the upper half. Well, I think this is a good opportunity to start wrapping this up. We typically do these for about an hour. And this has been going on now for an hour and 37 minutes. So the gas is clearly running out on the tank. I mean, oh, wait, you know what? I see in boise state it didn't let him up before i promised i would let him talk so i i like to be the person who actually who meets my promises on this have you been able to connect there looks like yes, yes. hello hey no problem you be our last call what's righty. going on so
17: um this will probably be one of the darker ones because uh i'm not feeling too good about everything so not to end this on a sour note but uh You know, I've been listening and there was a few people like my son Bort and CFB Power Pick'em that listed some things about the group of five. And the thing that made me really want to talk the most is that at one point you said canary in the coal mine and you changed it to like something else. But I don't really think that you should have changed it because from the from the looks of a group of five fan, it literally looks like the group of five is going to be this canary in the coal mine it'll be the warning to other conferences. Like we're going too far. We need to stop with all this expansion stuff. And the side effect of that is group of five gets basically relegated into a relevance. And the reason I say that is like, there's this idea out there that like a top tier group of five team, like San Diego state, Boise state is almost better than like a mid tier power five. But I don't see it that way because we're being left behind with less media money every year. the, college football is being turned into a mini NFL league. And so who, who is going to want to watch these teams except for the dedicated fan base. And like power Pickham said, why doesn't group of five teams add these left behinds that aren't wanted by anybody else and make like a mini G five playoff. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Oregon state, Washington state, Cal and Stanford fans say that they would rather lose their sport programs than be affiliated with Boise state. So, They don't want us. Nobody wants that. Like, the idea is cool, like backfill and make a conference, but ultimately the fans of those Power Fives don't want it. Obviously, these TV executives don't want it, or else programs in big markets like San Diego State or programs that have been amazing like Boise State would have been brought up. And the idea of a mini G5 playoff is basically just being relegated to almost an FCS level. And then there's also this idea that, Oh, well, you'll get this spot in the college football playoff. But how many? I've seen so many media people saying, well, now that this has been fixed, we should relook at how the playoff has worked. We should relook. And I've seen so many people saying, oh, we should allow second and third best teams in the Big Ten and the SEC to be in this playoff. So our college football playoff spot is being threatened. Nobody wants to deal with the leftovers. And the idea that being a top G5 team sounds good in theory. But if these teams were worthy enough to be top G five, why can't they be brought up? And so it all just kind of seems to not coexist. The ideas are cool, but the execution of them do not want to be are, are not the same.
0: I think you've uh, I think you've definitely put a strong voice to some of these concerns that have been among the G five programs because of that. And and you brought up again one of the class. Oh, gosh, you brought so many good topics. You brought up the fact that. Historically, especially Stanford and Cal have, you know, lifted their nose at being part of a conference with not just Boise State, but you know Fresno State, um, many of the other the the some of the teams in the Mountain West, and that has been a sticking point to them, um, which has certainly earned them some bad blood uh, among some of these programs. I think rightfully so with some of the snootyness of it, but also kind of going to, you know. The, The money, the money issue is definitely the biggest part of it. I mean, the idea that those programs were making so much money and now they're going to drop no matter what. Um, But at the same time, you know, the top programs are getting more and more and more per year. I mean, the uh, Mountain West—I forgot the exact payout. You might know it off the top of your head, but it's the media payout is what's somewhere in the realm of six to nine million dollars, I believe. And I think actually Boise State. Gets a little bit more as if, if, as if I'm correct um, in the Mountain West, but it's still nowhere near the numbers we're talking about. Um, Yeah, the
17: the Mountain West, I believe, is five million, and Boise is six point eight with our extra home games. But I mean, it just it that's crumbs compared to what the lowest tier Power power Five is getting, and the separation between the two is just getting more and more.
0: Yeah, so it's and this kind of goes back to a a sort of a larger macro topic that is. God, if, if there, I don't want to say something that keeps me up at night, but if there is a, a, a topic in college football that really does get me worried, and this is something that is believable, realistic. I mean, I was talking, we had Stuart Mandel on last night, or say, yesterday uh, evening, and he agreed that this is one of those those big inevitabilities. Um, and that is we're going to probably say they were college athletes or declared employees. And if that happens... Some of these top programs will be able to keep going, but this is going to be devastating. Not just to the, I'm not talking G5, I'm talking every level underneath it. I'm talking FCS, if we talk D2, D3. If suddenly, um, if, if certain rules are set and, and you have to pay all of your college athletes, it could be an, a nuclear option. So the reason I bring that up now is as we see this separation that's forming between the very, very top of the FBS it's it's a theory that's been thrown out before, and a possibility, and option, was should they form a new division? And I don't know why. For the longest time, it was always being theorized. Th- probably, um, uh, it's always been described as Division 4. I don't know why we call it that, because that's in the wrong order of, of the way we count our divisions. But a, a hypothetical Division 4 of the very elite P5 teams going and basically creating new rules. This is before NIL. They were like, why don't we create a new Athletic Association for the top college football programs where you can actually just pay players. Like They were trying to come up with some solution for that to make it all work. And now kind of looking at where we're going now with the two super conferences, would there be a smart move for, frankly, all of college sports (laughs) to sort of stave off that employment issue by having them break off and actually say, okay, yeah, we will actually kind of move forward to something closer to an employee um, relationship with our student athletes and the reason I say that and again going back to what I'd said much earlier I read a very good article by Professor Michael McCann he's a, a sports law professor who writes he used to write for SI now he writes for Sportico where he basically said if, if these programs don't decide to do something like this you're always running the risk and in California I know we're, we're seeing this possibility with some of the lawsuits that are being filed but anywhere in America you could get a federal judge to say you know what the way these NIL rules are being kind of loosened in all the states. We've talked about it before Uh, in previous shows, like there's a race between all the different individual states, like Missouri somehow took the lead, but, you know, Texas and New York, and, you know, making it so much easier to pay players in the NIL cloak, but basically pay them, that eventually you're going to get a judge that's convinced by legal argument that, you know, they're employees. You literally all have employees, so you should treat them as employees, and you owe them all of those uh, those things you owe an employee. So if that happens uh, in an uncontrolled circumstance, you could suddenly really create havoc in college sports. I mean, that would just—I'm sure the smart people at many of the the top programs have sort of contingency plans. What if this happens? But there's going to be a lot of other programs, especially the—I mean—the lower divisions. You go. That are not going to be ready for that moment. So, if we're talking darkness, I can go dark. <laughs> that that would be. A I mean, killer yeah, option. and that's
17: and that's why you said cano- or canary in the coal mine, and that just that, that tapped into exactly how I am feeling. Because just from my point of view, it seems like not just two thousand seven, two thousand ten, when we had some of our best teams, it seemed like we always had a chance. Like there was a glimmer of hope that things could be better. And now twenty twenty three, I ju- even if we do merge with the pack four, how long does that last? How long does that last until Oregon State gets brought up, or it falls apart again? And it's like it just there's no hope anymore. It feels like it feels like everything that's happened is going to happen, and then eventually, all of these Cinderella stories are going to go away. And I know I'm doing doom and gloom right now, but this is just a G five point of view. Like the stuff that's not the stuff that's happening right now is not good for the sport. It's only good for TV executives, and. It's either get on the boat or sink, and I feel like many great G five schools are going to sink due to just not being enough space.
9: Uh,
0: hopefully, it won't. But I could see why that is a concern. Um, and we're going to keep seeing how this develops. But you know, thank you for uh, thank you for closing this out there. Um, that was a, a good way to kind of close this particular uh, call in show. We've been going for about an hour and forty five minutes for what was typically an hour slotted. <laughs> show but so many people wanted to talk and uh it was great to hear from all of you you know we're going to go ahead and wrap this up this was uh if you missed the beginning of it this will turn into a recording uh if you want to hear the beginning of it we'll eventually put it on our, our podcast uh, uh locations as our CFB talk um but on that note this was RCFB talk 152 my name is Bob Ekieri my co-host Andrew Sagona was also um chiming in as well i want to thank everybody who called in and everybody who listened. We really appreciate hearing from you. We do these every Tuesday night at ten PM and we've even started doing some interviews. Again, if you want, you can go back and find the interviews we did last week with um Phil Steele and Stuart Mandel. But on that note, I'ma hang up and listen.